You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Atlanta Realtor Rundown. I have a very special guest with us today, all the way from New Jersey. Kyle Kovats is on the call, and I am pleased to have him here today. Kyle, welcome. Thanks for having me, Kate. Appreciate it. Yeah. And so the first thing that I wanted to do, because really nobody in Atlanta probably knows you, is have you introduce yourself and let us know um, a little bit about what you do and um, how you got there. Sure. So my name's Kyle Kovats. I got my real estate license when I was 19. Uh, my grandfather owned a real estate school, a pre-licensed school up in uh, North Jersey. And um, after my freshman year of college, I wasn't interning that summer or anything. And I, you know, had in the back of my head, you know, ending spring semester, you know what, I'm going to get my real estate license and, you know, kind of get right into real estate. So I took real estate class in May of 2010, I believe it was May of 2010. I got my license by June. And then that summer, I started doing rentals in uh, this area in, in North Jersey called Hoboken, which is right outside of New York City. Um, it's like the less expensive alternative to New York City and Manhattan rents. So um, everybody would go there who wanted to live, you know, per se in the city, but without spending, you know, kind of city rents. I started doing that and I really liked it and I was making pretty good money doing so. And then my junior and senior year, I continued to do real estate part-time while in college. I was at Rutgers in central Jersey, about 45 minutes from uh, Hoboken. I would drive up, you know, do real estate rentals uh, about two days a week, typically, and maybe one day on the weekend. Uh, my goal at the time was to make about a thousand bucks a week, which as a college student for me was great. Um, the way that I saw it is it would pay towards my off-campus housing rent. Um, and it would also, you know, go towards paying down my tuition because um, I was going to school on loans at the time. Um, and then, you know, ultimately have some money to go out and have fun as a college kid as well. So uh, I really like that. And as soon as I graduated, I just decided, you know what, I'm going into real estate full time. And I went into real estate full time. I, at that point in time, moved my, I guess you'd call it real estate business out to the suburbs into the area that I grew up in. And I started doing exclusively residential home sales, one to four family, um, mainly built my business through cold calling, going door to door, you know, things like that kind of old school techniques. Um, I didn't have a lot of uh, friends who were ready to buy at the time. And, you know, funny enough, when I got named the National Association of Realtors 30 under 30 in 2016. And they were interviewing me saying, how did you know, how did you get your business and things like that? In the NAR magazine, uh, it quotes me saying, well, I had to go door to door and make cold calls because my friends were lucky to make it home at night, let alone be ready to buy a home yet at that time. So um, <laughs> when that got printed, my mom was pretty pumped about that, I guess. And I, I say that uh, sarcastically, but it was the truth. Um, and then from there, you know, I was making good money selling homes. I was a solo agent. I was doing, you know, anywhere around 16, 17, 8 million, 18 million in uh, home sales a year. And as a solo agent, I wasn't paying a team or anything like that. Um, and, you know, I started using that money to invest in real estate. I started off first doing uh, things like subdivisions, flips, Airbnbs, you know, two to four family. Um, and then around like 2015, 2016, I started passively investing into real estate syndicates, uh, which I did had no idea what they were like a couple years prior to that. I'd never heard the term before. Um, 
But to my understanding at the time, I was what I was told is it's just a large partnership. It's you know a couple people who are buying in this case an apartment complex and then taking on investors for that, and then everybody was sharing in the cash flow, the appreciation, and the tax benefit. So for me, that was very intriguing and very exciting because. It felt like every investment that I was making previously with a two to four family, especially the Airbnb, I felt like I kept buying myself jobs um, mm. where like I was just, you know, I, I was, I was, yes, having my money grow for me and having my money work for me, but it was a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, heavy lifting as well. And I viewed, you know, kind of the syndicate path, at least when I first started investing in them as, as a limited partner, as a passive investor, as a way to invest in real estate, um, but do so in a very passive manner, uh, deal with all the benefits of real estate investing, but none of the, you know, uh, stuff that comes along with like the headaches that are involved in real estate investing. Um, Fast forward to 2018, uh, it was at that time where I had been passively investing in syndicates for a few years, where I decided to partner up with some guys and then ultimately um, start you know, being the general partner in syndicates. And we went under contract on our first deal in late 2018, which we closed on in uh, February of 2019. That was a 120-unit uh, apartment complex in Glendale, Arizona, you know, right outside of Phoenix there. Uh, we bought that one for roughly about $11.6 and uh, we were very fortunate to be able to sell it this November, actually, for $25 million. Um, and our you know, investors, I was very happy about that for our investors. Our investors did very well on that. Um, I always like to preface it by saying that deal, you know, honestly, was more of a unicorn and more of the exception as opposed to the norm. Um, like as an example, a $100,000 investor in that deal had their 100000 turn into 355000 over the course of only about three and a half years. Um, which is, you know, just really an outsized return. And, you know, I would say more out of the norm. Um, I also preface it by saying, you know, when you hear that, don't think, oh my God, this guy's a genius. He knows everything, right? Um, you know, I, I think we were good operators. I think we operated it well. I think we managed it well, but I'd be lying to you and lying to your faces if I said to you, the reason we did so well was just because of us. Um, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this understand the past few years, the market's been insane. Um, and we certainly benefited from that. But the only way you can benefit from that to begin with is if you're in the game to start, right? So, you know, however you start, whether it be starting with your first investment property, buying like, uh, you know, a two family, three family, four family, using an FHA loan, living in one of the units and buying it with only three and a half percent down and doing the classic, you know, house hack, as we call it. Um, or whether it be, you know, buying an investment property because you already own your current home, buying an investment property with 25% down, or whether it be, you know, investing passively into a syndicate. Um, you know, however somebody does it, you just got to do it, right? So you just got to do it and kind of, you know, take the leap. And I'm very, um, blessed and very fortunate that, you know, I, I did take that leap, right? And I did start investing in real estate because I look at my personal financial statement now when I apply for loans and I see how my wealth grew over time and it grew significantly once I started investing in real estate. Absolutely. And as a real estate agent, who better to be doing it? Why yeah. do you think and you and I have had these discussions before, but why do you think that it is so important that real estate agents are investing in real estate when there's so many other things in the world they could be investing in? What would you say are some of the highlights of being a real estate agent and putting your money to work in the field that you already know and work in? Yes. So there's a couple things for sure. Number one is, you know, if you're somebody like me or, and you're somebody who's actively, you know, prospecting for listings, you're going to come across some opportunities that nobody else even knows about. Right. So when you come across these opportunities, knowing how to evaluate them and how to analyze them and, you know, if they make sense, 
you know, it, you could create a win-win situation for that homeowner. It could be a situation where it's like, hey, you know, I, I just saw this, you know, uh, house. I walked through this house. This person wants to sell it. They're very, uh, they're very motivated. They want to sell it. And honestly, they told me they don't want a lot of people coming through the house. I think it's a good investment property, number one. So, you know, why don't I maybe take advantage of this? And why don't I perhaps buy it off them directly, right? And do a private sale. Uh, number two, I, I think a lot of times people, uh, unfortunately, they miss a big uh, segment of the business that they can take advantage of. Uh, th there's a really ignored segment of buyer out there, the buyer who wants to work with a, a investor friendly agent, um, you know, being able to speak their language, right? So when they talk about things like cap rates, when they talk about things like, you know, um, value add projects and, you know, doing renovations and being able to evaluate you know, how much this improvement on this property will ultimately result in as far as like return on investment is concerned. Um, and not only that, you know, the other big benefit, which I can't give direct advice on is the tax benefit. Um, I could, you know, give you my personal example, right? So I've been very actively investing in real estate for a number of years now. And what I am, and again, I can't give tax advice, so don't take this as tax advice. You should talk to your CPA or financial professional. But since I get tax deductions on my real estate investments, for me as a full-time real estate professional, I can use those deductions against my you know, regular income and ultimately either A, significantly lower my income tax burden, or B, uh, perhaps eliminate portions of my income tax burden, uh, simply because I just invested in real estate. And when I learned about this, this was really kind of like the big game changer for me. Um, and as I've told Kate before, you know, I basically stalked this guy, Tom Wheelwright, um, at a uh, number of events uh, to make sure that this is legit before I started doing it, right? So I would go to these events where, you know, he was going to be speaking and there was like a dinner with the speakers package and I'd have, you know, a notepad, um, you know, the notes app on your phone. I'd have the whole list of questions ready and I'd follow the guy around and whenever, you know, the air got quiet, I would just, you know, ask the questions, ask the questions, ask the questions to the point where I think he started realizing that I was, you know, basically following him around not only one night, but I'm talking multiple events. And, um, it is what it is. It was just one of those things where I needed to confirm this. And uh, fortunately, I was able to and, you know, got hooked up with a CPA who was really well versed in this stuff as well. And that's when you start getting into like, oh, wow, like not only do you have net effective returns from the power of you buying with 25% down from you getting the returns from the cash flow as well. But then when you start accounting for the tax benefit, you look at it and in year one, you're saying to yourself, wow, in year one, even if this deal doesn't cash flow, even if it appreciates at half of what the normal appreciation rate is historically, like my year one net effective return is easily and always over 30% between just the tax benefit and honestly, lower appreciation than normal. Because the historic appreciation of real estate from 1870 to 2015 is 6.61% .6 a year from just appreciation alone. And that's if you bought it 100% all cash. Now you consider if you buy that 25% down, you just take the appreciation amount, multiply it times four, and that's the, that's the real like you know return for you because your money is leveraged. And that's not even accounting for cash flow yet, tax benefit yet. That's just from straight up appreciation. Straight up appreciation alone, if you're buying with 25% down historically, is going to be like 26%. It's insane when you actually think about it that way. But once you start you know changing your mindset and being able to view things as like you know, what's my net effective return? That's when things get really, really, you know, uh, I guess interesting is the best way to put it. <laughs>
Well, it really becomes almost like a game, like it's a strategy. And if you really start to think bigger and outside the box, you can kind of make it into a game. And it's interesting that you talk about Tom because Tom calls that that tax benefit phantom money. Uh-huh. And um, I've also studied a lot about what Tom has taught and gone through his program, things like that. And so the there are a lot of people that might be listening to this and hearing these topics and ideas for the first time. So I, what I want to do is be very intentional about making sure we explain exactly what we're talking about in that we are not tax advisors. We are not giving tax advice. But as a real estate professional qualified as a when you are qualified as a real estate professional, talk to your accountant about this. You are capable of utilizing tax benefits that somebody else can't. And so not only do you have the expertise to be able to be in the field, know what you're doing, the relationships to be able to see those opportunities before everyone else, like you mentioned, and potentially have, in in theory, first dibs at the deal, an understanding of the people who operate in this world and to be able to utilize your lender relationships, your attorney relationships to make things easy. But the bow on top is the tax benefit. And that's something that's really special. So talk to us a little bit more about how leveraging, which basically means borrowing, um, can really propel you further into this journey. I know some people say, oh, well, I only have X amount of dollars. I've got to start small. And it sounds like that's kind of what you did on your journey. You started with maybe one investment home that led to two, that led to you know three doors, four doors, uh, Airbnb. And you realized, wow, I'm creating more work for myself. This is a lot to manage. How can I be using my resources more effectively while still utilizing that tax benefit and the power of real estate. Talk to us a little bit more about ways that people can be positioning themselves or looking at the market in that way. And how can they be educating themselves on these types of things? Yeah. So to your point, as far as leverage is concerned, I think everybody has this idea that if I'm going to buy this investment property, I need 25% to put down. And that's intimidating, right? Because you might be looking at like a four family and being like, wow, I think that's a really good deal. That's a four family. It's listed for, let's say, hypothetically, uh, $500,000. But I don't have the 25% to put down because 25% of that, it's going to mean I put down somewhere, you know, around 125. Um, I don't have that much. But what people could do is that if they don't own, you know, a home yet, and they don't have a principal residence yet, they could buy that with 3.5% down. Now, if you buy that 3.5% down using an FHA loan, you have to live in one of the units for at least a year. But the benefit of that and living in one of the units for at least a year is as the other units leases expire, when you first move into your unit, you're going to do your renovations on it. And let's say you've budgeted $10,000 per unit and rent renovations, you know, 10,000 goes a long way because, you know, 10,000, you could, let, let's say there's like old floors, but they're old, nice hardwood floors, or if there's old carpet and there's subfloor underneath them, you know, if there's subfloor, you know, the most, you know, positive thing you can do on, on a monetary standpoint, the most effective thing I would say and cost effective uh, is putting down vinyl plank floors. So vinyl plank floors are not going to be crazy expensive. You know, maybe you have like old countertops and they're laminate countertops or something like that. Uh, maybe what you do is you resurface the countertops. Maybe you put a backsplash in, uh, maybe new kitchen appliance package, new vanity in the bathroom, uh, reglaze the tub, maybe put in a new toilet, low flow toilet for like water conservation purposes. Um, sometimes you could actually get, you know, better loan terms if you do like a green program, like water conservation on toilets and like aerators, like low flow showers and sinks and stuff like that. Uh, paint, 
you know, again, if you're the type of person that is willing to pick up a paintbrush, you could, you could always paint yourself. Uh, but again, you know, you do this on each unit and all of a sudden the rents go from, you know, hypothetically, let's say, uh, 1200 a unit to 1500 a unit. And if you do that over four units, that's an extra 1200 per month, which is an extra over the course of a year, an extra 14,400 a year. Let's just round that up and say 15,000. So I can do this math easier in my head, an extra $15,000 a year in income. And now if we divide that by perhaps a uh, 5% cap rate, that's an increase in the valuation on the property of, um, uh, that would come out to $300,000. Let me just double check that real quick. I believe it's $300,000. So 15,000 uh, divided by 5%. Yeah, that's an increase in valuation of uh, of $300,000 on that property. And just because you went in, you budget it, you put down only 3.5% to purchase and you budget it $10,000 per unit in doing renovations and you just took the rents on each unit from 1,200 a month to 1,500 a month. Again, that's an extra in total 1,200 per month, right? Because an extra 300 per unit times four units, extra 1,200 uh, per month, multiply it times 12 months in the year, that's an extra 14,400. Again, we're just rounding that up to 15,000. So 15,000 divided by a 5% cap rate, um, again, you've increased the value of that property by $300,000. You spent $40,000 in total in renovations and your return is $300,000. Now remember, this is all while you know, the property is cash flowing, right? Number one. And since you're living in one of the units, it's most likely helping pay towards your living expense or perhaps even totally eliminating your living expense, right? Because, you know, your tenants are essentially paying your mortgage for you while you live in your unit, either for a very low, low cost or perhaps even for free with profit on top of it. And then number two, again, you're getting that tax benefit and you're growing your wealth. And, you know, let's say hypothetically, somebody has even more money to put down, Right. You know, if you had, I'm just using a big round number, right? If you had a million bucks, would it make more sense to buy $1 million investment property for a million bucks all cash, have no mortgage, or leverage that money and instead buy four separate million dollar investment properties, putting down 250000 on each? You know, it would make more sense financially from a numbers perspective to buy four million dollar properties, putting down $250,000 on each, because now you have four million worth of real estate appreciating at 6.61% a year historically, as opposed to 1 million worth of real estate appreciating at 6.61% annually. So you could see how the wealth really gets outsized, right? If you use leverage to your benefit. Um, and again, you might say to yourself, well, it's really nice not to have a mortgage. It is really nice not to have a mortgage, of course. But again, if you can you know, afford to leverage that money and now you know, four million worth of real estate. Let me run the number here real quick. Four million worth of real estate appreciating at six point six one percent per year would be an increase of your net worth of two hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars per year. Whereas if you had just one million dollar investment property appreciating at again six point six one percent per year, that's an increase of your net worth by $66,000 a year. So we're talking about, again, these are big numbers, 66,000 additional net worth per year uh, versus 264,000 increase in net worth per year, just because you leveraged your money. That that annually, and just in year one, just in year one is an extra $200,000 in net worth to your balance sheet in year one. And then now this $4 million worth of real estate 
is worth roughly about four and a quarter million, right? After year one, because of it appreciating. Whereas the million dollars worth of real estate is worth roughly a million sixty thousand. And then now that is appreciating and compounding over time, every single year on average at 6.61%. And you could imagine where those numbers go. If you guys have, haven't ever played around with a compound interest calculator, I highly, highly recommend doing so. There's a great website called MoneyChimp. I know it's a weird sounding website, but it's MoneyChimp.com. Um, check out their compound interest calculator. And you could see the power of compounding interest over time which is really, really exemplifies um, just how important, you know, uh, leveraging your money is, you know, when buying real estate. And as I, I once heard Robert Kiyosaki say, I, I heard him say at an event once where Tom Wheelwright was there as well. Uh, he had said, um, if I walked into, you know, Wells Fargo today, they would give me a loan to buy a house and investment property for only 25% down. But if I told them, give me a loan to buy your own stock, they would laugh at me and tell me to walk out the door. Um, just shows you the power of like the fundamentals of real estate. And, uh, and ultimately, again, real estate should, if bought right, pay for itself. So utilizing leverage and scaling puts mm -hmm. you in a much better position, not only from an appreciation perspective, not only from a basically, you know, spreading your risk perspective, but also like we just talked about the tax, the tax benefit, mm -hmm. being able to utilize a tax benefit on $4 million worth of real estate versus $1 million worth of real estate could have a significant impact on how much money you get to keep in your pocket when it comes to taxes. Again, not a tax accountant, not giving tax advice. So what you're really doing in a syndication then is scaling what you just talked about from a four unit where you could live and use the FHA loan because you can't use that FHA loan past four units. But what you're really doing when you step up out of that and you begin to understand the power of, of real estate and leverage and investing is you're phasing into a world of syndications. Tell us a little bit more, um, a little bit more about what a syndication is because to my understanding, uh, it's just a scaled version of what you just did, but much larger and utilizing a lot more people and a lot more um What's the good word for it? Team play. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's a team sport. It's a team sport. That's the best way to put it. So the, the company I run is called Kovats Multifamily. And what we you know, do, me and my partners, is you know, we buy apartment complexes, but we do it as a team. So you know, uh, in a syndicate, you might perhaps have you know, uh, two, three, four, or five people as the general partner in the syndicate. They are the ones who are going out and looking for the deal. Um, they're looking for a deal. They might have certain criteria. Like as an example, what we look for is we look for anywhere between two to 300 unit apartment complexes. We mostly look in um, Dallas and Houston in particular, look a little bit in San Antonio as well. Um, we look to you know have A or B class properties, which you know I guess you could define as anything newer than like mid eighties you know, type of build. And um, you know when we do that, we have like investment criteria, right? So our investment criteria that ideally we would like to get our investors is somewhere between a 16 to 20% average annualized return from appreciation and cash flow. Uh, and then everybody would share in the benefits from things like appreciation, cash flow, and the tax benefit uh, from the depreciation, which will get returned to investors on a K-1 tax document. So um, really all syndicate is, and you explained it perfectly, it's a team sport. So if we're buying an apartment complex, hypothetically, for $50 million, uh, we might have to raise $20 million in equity. 
you know, because we might be taking out a loan, perhaps, let's say for 35 million, and we need 15 million for down payment and another 5 million for like renovations and cash reserves that we want to have on hand. Um, and that's really what it is. And then everybody, depending upon what somebody's investment amount is into the syndicate, um, they get a share of the ownership, a percentage share in the ownership. And in the syndicate deals, uh, it, it's just, it's, I, I know at least me growing up, I used to drive by apartment complexes uh, nearby my home where I grew up. And I remember always asking my mom, I was like, who owns that? I was like, is there like a guy in town? Does like one of my friend's dad own that place, right? Um, turns out most likely most of them are either owned by A, institutional investors like a BlackRock, you know, a JP Morgan, something like that, or they're owned by syndication groups, which is honestly just a bunch of normal people like us uh, pooling their money together to buy a larger project that they otherwise could not purchase on their own. Um, but yeah, so so when I first started investing in those, as I mentioned earlier, it was really just to be able to passively invest in real estate as a limited partner, deal with all the benefits that come with real estate investing without any of the uh, work that comes with real estate investing. So that's, uh, that's how I had originally gotten started. And, and that's what really kind of, I guess, piqued my interest in it. Right. Interesting. And that's something that, uh, you know, I won't assume every real estate agent does not know about, but a lot of them don't. So that might be something that they hear today when they're listening and they want to pursue learning more about or educating themselves further. So uh, maybe that will spark some interest for some people. So um, the last thing that I want to do before we get off here, because you gave us so much good information. I mean, we could unpack this for like another two hours. And I think people would just be learning immensely, but we only have so much time. Uh, the thing that I would like to do in closing with you is just kind of ask you, what advice would you give somebody who has no experience in investing at all, who wants to start investing? What advice would you give them? And specifically, where would you guide them? Yeah. So two things to begin with, there's two, you know, obviously free resources that I think you'll get a lot of value from. One of them is biggerpockets.com. So biggerpockets.com was a really, it's a great resource. It remains a great resource. But I know when I far, first started investing in uh, real estate, I would go on that website and I would just read. I would just kind of lurk as they call it, right? I would go on that website. And you know, if I had a question, they have all these forums on there and you'd be shocked like who you could wind up talking to on there. Like there's guys on there who like, who own, you know, uh, guys and gals who own like thousand, 2000, 3000, like units. And you just like pose a question on like a forum on there, like a multifamily investing forum. And this guy gives like a long detailed answer. And it's like, well, that didn't cost me any money. It's a free account. Like that was super beneficial for me. That's number one. Um, Number two, there's a lot of good local meetup groups um, that you could find through meetup.com. So go on meetup.com and search like multifamily investing or real estate investing, and you'll find a whole bunch of different meetups. They might meet weekly, monthly, but go to these events. When you go to these events, they usually will have a speaker who will speak on some sort of topic that is related to real estate investing. But the real value is all the people that are there. It's people you know, who are local who are either current real estate investors or looking to invest in real estate. Now that's duly beneficial for people like us as realtors, because number one, it's a great networking opportunity to meet people who are buying investment properties. And if they don't have the real estate license, guess what? You develop that relationship and you start learning the language of real estate investing. And all of a sudden you got a client. And the best part about working with real estate investors is there's very few real estate investors out there that you will meet they just buy one investment property and they stop. They get addicted to it. They just keep buying more and more and more and more. So this could be a perpetual client for you. 
That's number one. And number two, just to learn, you know, you go to those, you know, meetup events, right. And you learn, you know, there's some really interesting topics. Like sometimes you go to a meetup event and it's somebody who is specifically specialized in doing what we call house hacking, or they use what's called the Burr method, right? They buy, they rehab, um, they refi, they repeat, right? They just do it over and over and over again, and they've built their portfolio up that way. So you get to uh, you get to meet some really, really good people, number one. And number two, on like the sales side of the equation, it allows us to build our, you know, kind of client database too um, when you go to events like that. So th- those would be the two, I would say, starting points to begin with there. Awesome. Well, your wealth of knowledge, uh, we would love to spend more time with you and maybe we can have you back on again in the future. But I want to thank you so much for coming on today. Again, I feel like I could ask you a million more questions and we could get a lot more out of this, but we are limited on our time and I hate that. But thank you for giving us your time. I know it's valuable. I hope that everyone who listened today got something out of this that sparked interest or sparked motivation or inspiration and if they want to reach out to you um where's the best place for them to find you yeah best place to find me is uh through my website which is kovatsmultifamily.com and on there you'll be able to access you know my email or um schedule a call if somebody has any questions i have a calendly i guess that's what it's called (laughs) calendly link on there yeah Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. And uh, we hope you have a great rest of the day. And we would love if you come visit us at the Atlanta Realtor Center sometime. Definitely. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. Please subscribe. And for more information on how to get engaged, check us out at atlantarealtors.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.